Hello and welcome to Ascend Higher, the podcast of True Freedom Trust. My name's Stuart Parker and I'm the director of this UK-based charity. We hold to the historic Christian understanding of what the Bible teaches about sex and relationships. We offer teaching, pastoral support groups and conferences. This podcast is connected to our quarterly Ascend magazine, which includes a range of articles, reviews and personal stories, all dealing with what it's like to be a Christian attracted to others of the same sex. For the spring edition of Ascend, Ruth and Simon discuss the theme of emotional dependency. This is where a friendship can turn into an unhealthy obsession with the other person. In their conversation, they share openly about their own experiences of relationships like these. They also share their insights and strategies for working through the pitfalls and redeeming what was good in the friendships. Let's listen in. Hello and welcome to this True Freedom Trust podcast. Uh, my first podcast, actually. They're finally letting me near a microphone after all this time. Wow. Uh, I know, right? <laughs> so my name's Simon. I am the uh, teaching and outreach manager at TFT and I'm joined by Ruth. Hello, Simon. You're sitting in my lounge. Yes, lounge slash dining room. Slash dining room. Um, I'm Ruth, TFT women's worker. Um, and... We are friends, which is nice. We are. And I think this podcast has come out of that friendship. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we first got to know each other, um, in fact, we could have been around the dining table when this happened. Yes, the dining table that's behind me. Absolutely. So this dining so, table is stunning, isn't it? Yeah, it's a bit of a centrepiece. I feel like if it was finished in, say, walnut it wouldn't look out of place at Hogwarts. It really wouldn't. It takes about 12 to 14 people. Um, It's made out of pine by Charlie, who is our lodger. And it is totally unique. And we have, well, before COVID, we had community meals around it. So that is the backdrop, may I suggest, to this amazing podcast that we're going to do on friendship. And, well, we're going to focus, aren't we, on dependency and friendship absolutely yeah emotional dependency and i think this this came really off the back of just conversations we'd had between us and we've realized that we've both experienced friendships in the past that perhaps have been slightly unhealthy um, perhaps we've made a little bit too much of them than we ought to have true um, yeah so we were chatting and then we decided oh we have both had the same experience in this um, we also recognize that actually that dependency in friendship isn't just a female issue Mm. sometimes it can be um well people can think that it's it's just women who are more emotional and get involved much more together because maybe they talk more and are more emotionally open that it can be just women who experience this but in your case and we work with you work with men um Mm. at tft it obviously isn't just a female issue is it yeah no not at all and i think one of my motivations for wanting to talk about this topic in particular is you know obviously we talk a lot about same-sex attraction we talk a lot about the sexual side of it but we don't talk a lot about the actual the emotional the romantic the stuff that goes on behind the scenes um so yeah i hope that our conversation is going to be really really helpful we're going to talk about some of our own things that we spotted in our relationships what we've learned from that yeah um, and kind of go from there, really. Yeah, and we hope that it's going to be helpful for for others to, to talk about our experience, but also um, to talk about the trigger points um, where we can experience 
um, some negative aspects of friendship, but also we're hoping, aren't we, that we're going to be able to focus also on on biblical healthy friendships and what mm. God wants us to experience um, and then come to some conclusions, maybe give out some resources that have helped us um, and talk about strategies perhaps that um, we found really helpful so that this isn't a continuing um, problem for both of us. So that's hopefully the plan for this time together. Yeah, absolutely. And we're both talking about same-sex friendships in particular. Obviously, I am same-sex attracted, but you are not. No. Um, so that's another kind of angle on it. But I guess, do you want to maybe get us started, Ruth, by, by telling us a little bit about your friendship, how it started? Maybe when did you first notice that something wasn't quite right? Yeah. So um, the friendship that I want to talk about started off really well, actually. Um, it was a lady who I admired, was a Christian, um, really quite um, learned and academic, which I was attracted to. Um, we had the same interests. Uh, she was very kind, compassionate. So all the things that I would like in a person, I saw in her. And it started off um, mutually really, really quite enjoyable. We spent time together, chatted you know, we both like reading books, going to art galleries, that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, and we both had a, a similar, very unusual sense of humour, as you would probably attest to yeah. um, from knowing me for quite a while. Um, so that sort of thing. And we'd send each other texts and funny things that we'd seen. And, you know, if you watch this film, that sort of thing. So it started off really well. Um, and if we're putting this in a context of friendships, I had other friendships, so it wasn't exclusive at the beginning. Um, but I really, really liked her and grew to love her as a friend. Um, and that happened really quickly, actually. Um, so that's, that's what, yeah, so that's the friendship that started off okay. So for you, was it you met this friend? Yeah, so yeah, it was um, in my early 20s um, and there was a, a Christian group that I was involved in and this one particular uh, guy had started there and for about the first year, um, we, were, we were just acquaintances really. We sort of knew of each other, but there was, there was no kind of depth to the relationship beyond that. Um, and with where this person was, you know, they just moved to a new city. They weren't quite plugged into a, a church just yet. There was kind of something in the back of my mind that thought, well, I could do something to help this person. Mm. Um, so I sort of offered to start reading the Bible with them. You know, we would just go through uh, some of the epistles, etc., try and encourage one another. Um, but I kind of started that off knowing kind of in the back of my mind <laughs> that I was experiencing a physical attraction towards this okay. person. Um, and for me, it turned out that starting to do that with somebody for whom I had that attraction for, um, it just kind of snowballed into this, this whole other uh, mess, I guess you could mm. say. Um, so I certainly noticed um, some what I would now think of, of as warning signs for myself. Yeah. Um, so 
it was almost as if my, my entire sense of, of happiness and well-being was connected to my access to this person, um, which isn't helpful. It's, it's like one of those Romans 125 situations where you're yeah. exchanging the glory of God for the glory of something that is created. Yeah. Um, and I would find myself getting like slightly jealous when he was hanging around with people that weren't me, <laughs> and, you know, and forming other friendships was obviously, you know, I've, I have no right to, yeah, exactly. um, to do anything about that. But yeah. Um, yeah, so I'd find myself getting jealous in those situations. Yeah, maybe at times, I guess, maybe trying to manipulate situations slightly so we'd be able to spend more time together. Mm. And yes, that went on for maybe a couple of years. So for me, he was actually one of the first of my Christian friends that I kind of came out to. Because it was affecting our friendship to such an extent that I thought I just kind of have to tell him what's going on here. Mm. I think it took me a while to realise what was going on myself, Mm. but probably... We'd known each other for about two and a half years okay. by that point, and yeah, kind of splurged it all over a coffee in a cafe. Um, <laughs> so, what was his reaction to that? Did he have any idea? Was he supportive? He was actually really supportive. Um, I was really blessed by by his reaction, and um, we have sort of kept in touch to an extent since then. Um, although he's um, in, a, in a different city now, so you know, naturally things have just kind of fizzled out over time. Mm. But yeah, really just, I think he may have suspected there was something going on. Okay. Um, just through conversations we'd had before, etc. But kind of wanting to know if there was anything that he could do to kind of support me going forward. Right. You know, would we have to look at things like just spending a little less time together, generating more space, hmm. uh, things like that. So that was so really you helpful. So you were, okay, with me, I know now that there was no codependent part of this Mm. so there is a difference isn't there between being dependent on somebody and being in a codependent relationship obviously a codependent relationship is where the other person too is feeling the same Mm. and their the mutual desire to get what you need out of the other person is is quite obvious to each other Mm. and sometimes you feed off that um, that wasn't the case with this friendship because um, I suppose I wanted more of that from her and I realised that probably two years into the friendship that when I was staying in indoors just in case she came round, um, which obviously is not a healthy thing to do. You know, you're sort of crossing things out of your diary in case this, this woman comes to your door to chat to you. Um, I knew that was wrong. Um, but I did that for quite a while um, until I realised it was wrong. So I actually went and told her and I I thought, and the reason was that I was doing this because she she would say, oh, I'll come and see you at some point. And because it wasn't a defined time, I thought, oh, I can't go out. I mean, it wasn't that bad, you know, I wasn't hiding behind curtains and things. But um, the fact that it was a very vague thing for her and wasn't that important. Whereas to me, it meant a lot. I realised that that, at that point, it became unhealthy. Mm. So I racked my brains and thought, right, I know this isn't right, so I'm going to stop it. But I'm also going to say to her, can you fix the time? Because I was trying to put the friendship, for me, in a better place. Um, And I remember going round and asking her this and she was completely oblivious to what I was asking because she didn't know it was a problem. Mm. Because to her, she would say, oh, I'll see you, you know, this week. Um, And there's a lot of hours in a week (laughs) (laughs) to wait inside for someone. So um, she did pin it down better, which for me was a real help. 
So that was part of my um, dependency was that I wanted to see her a lot and I wanted to be exclusive. And I remember, like you said, about your friends seeing other people. Mm. Um, if you notice that you wanted to be that person instead of the other person was being their friend. Um, so that was an aspect. And also, I think my my dependency came from actually putting this woman on a pedestal because I thought she was fantastic. Um, and, I mean, she, she is a fantastic person, but I think I felt inadequate because a lot of the aspects that I saw in her, I wanted to be like that. Yeah. So I think, I mean, this is a generalisation, but I think we've both learnt that um, sometimes the what we've lacked maybe in childhood or as we're growing up, we could see that in somebody else, which is mm. where that dependency comes. So they can end up being an idol and someone we put in the place of a natural and right relationship that we never had. Mm. Um, does that, would, would you yeah. say that happened to you as well? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I suspect everybody's story on this is slightly different. So mm. it's difficult to kind of be, or we, or we shouldn't be too dogmatic about yeah. what somebody's reasons for this being an issue might be. Mm. But for me, I think, you know, I didn't experience many uh, close same-sex friendships um, in my sort of childhood, mm. uh, teenage years. Mm. Um, and I think for that suddenly to have developed, yeah. um, you know, it was, it was kind of, it was new, it was exciting, etc. But mm. I mean, also just to come back to your point about um, there's this, this distinction between a codependent relationship where you've got two people who are kind of riding mm. on the waves of each other and one that is just one person. So it's just one person being emotionally dependent on another. Yeah. Um, one of the books that we're going to talk about, I mean, we've got a few little books mm. and things to, to talk about. Yeah. I think one of them that's helped us both is um, the Timothy Lane, Paul David Tripp, Relationships and Mess Worth Making. It's a brilliant book. It is. Yeah. And there's a chapter in there, and I think it's kind of based on attachment styles in psychology, but mm. it's quite a, an easy um, way to understand it, where he talks mm. about us all being on this scale between isolation and immersion. Yeah. And on the one hand, we've got the person who wants to be totally immersed in a friendship, <laughs> yes. which is definitely where I think you and me Absolutely. were. Absolutely. Um, where it's like, you know, I need this person yes. to be able to live. And on the other end, we've got the people who isolate themselves, um, you know, for whatever reason, they perhaps value, they, they still long for and need intimacy, mm. but they also really highly value safety yes. in relationships, almost more than they value having the relationship in the first place. Um, so people can drift to one or the other end of the spectrum. And I think in that case, and I think actually it's partly my fault for being so immersed in the relationship mm. that I pushed the other person down that end of the spectrum, yeah. the opposite end from me. But I remember that just being a massive source of frustration because obviously uh, my friend was withdrawing slightly and I don't yeah. blame him for doing yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, yeah, we were kind of both being frustrated because we both had expectations of the other person that weren't being met. Absolutely right. And um, I mean, if we cut, obviously God is the only person who can meet any expectation. But I totally agree that... Perhaps um, there was, there's a loneliness in people or mm. a massive desire to have a good friendship. Mm. Um, and in the end, you either push somebody away because mm. you're so needy for this. Mm. Um, you might have legitimate needs, but the pushing away is because, I mean, when we talk about dependent relationships, you know, there are, I mean, I got to the point where, like, we're talking about books and there's a, there's a brilliant little tome um, by Laurie Rentsel, I think that's how you say a name, called Emotional Dependency. And mm. at some point in my friendship, um, I thought, 
I need to check this book out because I had read it and it's not very long at all. But I thought there is a checklist in here or at least a list. Yeah. I think it's 11 things. It's a really scary list. <laughs> a scary list because even if you've got a healthy friendship and you look at it, you still can question some of your motivation. Mm. Um, so, yeah, there are things in here um, that I looked at. Um, I mean, we have talked about this before, you know, some of the things that I could tick off, um, like, um, you know, about manipulation. You've talked about that already. But there are um, things like, do we become angry when the other person withdraws? Yeah. Which I think you were saying, or depressed, one of those is really yeah. common, isn't it? Um, and when the other person wants to spend time alone with someone else, do we get jealous of that? Mm. Um, do we have romantic or sexual feelings? We talked about that as well. Mm. So I think I ticked off quite a few of those. You said that you might have ticked them all off. Not quite them Not all. all. I of think <laughs> I, I I came and read that book, you yeah. know, years after yeah. um, kind of those those feelings in that particular relationship had, had completely faded away. But I kind of read that book through the lens of that friendship and I yeah. thought I can probably tick off about eight of these that yes. I know that I was doing. Yeah. So um, um one of them that I absolutely agree with and what I did was put this lady on a pedestal. And I think and it says in the book about having unreal expectations of them. I think there is a a very easy thing to do when you idolise somebody, perhaps, or um, it's really difficult to see their faults. And I think as, mm. as I gradually realised that this friendship was getting increasingly more unhealthy from my side, um, I started to think, actually, am I being realistic about her? Um, and I started seeing things that I didn't particularly, and th this, I think this was the turning point that God actually started to do something in me um, and said, look, Ruth, she's really not perfect. Have you seen this? I'm not saying God did that, but it was, I mean, he's not picking somebody's faults out, but he was enabling me then. That's more like it was enabling me to see that actually it wasn't, she... You know, she didn't have to be idealised in yeah. my mind because she did things that actually used to annoy me that I thought weren't right um, and were absolutely not right. So I think that the Holy Spirit was really working in me at that point um, to say, you know, you need to look at what is really going on here, the mm. realistic bit of this friendship, which... Mm is something that you have glossed over. Mm. So for me, um, I could start to see, I mean, there were triggers um, in being unhealthy, but there were also things that came to light, which made it um, a friendship that I needed to look much more closely at. Mm. This, this blindness to faults thing, this is quite interesting because I feel like for me, so I felt like I was just constantly fault-finding because he wasn't meeting okay. my expectations in a lot of ways. That's interesting. Because they were so unrealistic, I was constantly frustrated. Okay, so, so that was a bit different to me mm. because um, I actually had to sit back because nobody else 
actually did find fault with her. She was the type of person who drew people to her. So the charisma and the, um, the attraction of her personality meant that everyone else basically loved her as well. So that wasn't the same for me, but it's really interesting that you had a, your sort of critical uh, fault finding in him yeah. was a reaction to um, him not paying you enough attention. Is that what you mean? Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? Because mm. that was different to mine. But that it's good to know that there are different characteristics of this problem. So no, that's, that's good. Mm. Um, I'm wondering, uh, so the trigger, we talked a bit about triggers. Um, about our motivation and were you, were you totally honest about this to yourself or um, do you think there was a niggling feeling all the way through this friendship that there was something wrong about it or were there periods of it where it was it was really quite a positive thing because for me it wasn't all bad and mm. we do have to acknowledge this that actually that's where the delusion can come in that we can pick out the things in it that are really great. Yeah. And or like you said, or we could read the Bible together. And yeah. that is fantastic, isn't it? it but is. if you're not doing it for the right reason, mm. um, obviously, although it's a good practice, it, there might be an ulterior motive in it. Mm. Um, and I think for me, we led Christian things together. We um, went and had spiritual direction, those sort of things, which were really positive. And I kept clinging on to those. And I, I married and I, and throughout this friendship, um, I told my husband what was happening. So I was accountable to him. And because he really liked her as well, he kept saying, oh, I think you're dealing with all this really well, which was lovely, but um, that sort of fueled it as well, because I thought, oh, well, I am telling somebody that I'm having an issue. And it's my husband, which is a great thing to do, isn't it? So I'm not keeping that in the dark. Yeah. But also, um, I think the good things about it can often add the fuel that we want to continue in it. Yeah. Yeah, perhaps they do make it take longer almost to realise how yeah. problematic it is. Because I think perhaps, because we were reading the Bible together, and maybe I kidded myself for a while, that although there was positive stuff that came out of the friendship, um, it was probably largely more unhealthy than it was yes. healthy. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. And I think as I kind of went along and, you know, I became even more kind of, I couldn't function without, without speaking to this person. Yeah. It took God a long time to work this in me. I think I steadily got a sense for actually, yes, this isn't something that is, is ultimately healthy. <laughs> yeah, I, I can completely agree with that. Um, I think the emotional ups and downs, turmoil, in the times when it wasn't healthy. I don't think I've ever felt the depth of that as mm. much as I did mm. in that friendship. And I think because of the intimacy in the good way, because friendship is created by God, it is a beautiful, and if you're saying sex attracted, absolutely necessary and fundamental part of your life. Mm. Um, and a good, healthy friendship is is something to be desired and is a really deep, profound thing. So I, I experienced the profundity of it in a good way, but also on the flip side, when it becomes dependent, 
the profundity of the pain of it is something that I'm sure listeners will be able to identify with mm. because that is excruciating. Um, and in a way, that makes you want to run and you know it's wrong. But on the other hand, you're experiencing an emotion that not everyone feels. Um, and that is an attraction as well, isn't it? As well as it being perhaps moving towards sinful behaviour, mm. um, there is an attraction in sin, mm. um, which we all know about. And I think the, the feelings are really hard to define and also step away from and analyse. Mm. Yeah, and I think for me, in, in everything, in my whole journey with, with same-sex attraction and wrestling with that alongside my faith, that has been probably the single most painful thing yeah. that I've had to deal with in terms of the cost of my own discipleship. Mm. Um, I mean, there have been other friendships where it's been drifting off in that direction. There have been friendships with other SSA people where it's drifted off in that direction. Yeah. But um, I mean, in some ways I've been quite blessed because my, my particular struggle with SSA does tend to veer off more on the emotional yes. side than the sort of physical side. Yeah. Um, whereas I have friends that are the other way around. Um, so that's actually been quite a blessing because we sort of can keep each other in check in a weird no, way because really our struggles good. don't work in the same way. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've talked a lot about what, what bad friendships look like, yeah. um, some of the ways that we've kind of tripped up in our time. But what about good, godly friendships? What have we learned about those and, and what they yeah. look like in the light of that? Definitely. I think, um, I think when I came out of this friendship, because I had to make a decision, which we'll probably talk about at some point, um, I, looking back, um, I learned a lot about, and having friendships now that I know are good, and I did have them at the same time as this, this really difficult one, but I think the idea of space is important to me. Um, and we've been talking about um, feeling trapped. Well, perhaps you didn't say the word trapped, but I felt trapped in it um, and without a way to get out of it. Mm. And I think healthy friendships give each other space to, to not be exclusive, to be able to have other friendships, to introduce your friends to that person to be delighted for them when they make a new friendship. So to actually want the best for the other person is healthy and give them space to do their own stuff, um, you know, and not think that they have to spend every minute with us um, because really we're not that great, are we? So, I mean, in the end... <laughs> Speak if it, yourself. <laughs> yeah, okay. But it can become very selfish, can't mm, it? And everything yeah. revolves around your needs. Um, I've, I can now give other people space and not feel jealous if they have other friends and also invite them to do stuff with me. So I think the space thing and the not being selfish and also the joy in appreciating them um, and being happy for them in things is really important. So I think that's a really good aspect of a good friendship. Mm. Yeah, the one that sticks out for me, and I can't for the life of me remember who it is that, that told me this analogy. So I apologise, whoever I'm <laughs> quoting out there, and I can't remember who it is, I apologise. Um, but I think I've talked a little bit about some of the good things that did come out of, of that particular friendship. And those good things, in terms of reading the Bible, um, 
we were involved in leading worships together at various points as mm. well, have always been when we weren't kind of stood in front of each other looking at one another, yeah. but when we were stood shoulder to shoulder looking outwards. Totally right. Um, so the focus yeah. is, is, is on God and it's outside of the friendship and it's yeah. kind of on the mission field, so to speak. Yeah, so it's walking side by side um, instead of facing each other and getting everything you need from the other person. Mm. So it, that that is mutuality. Um, and I, I completely agree with that. Um, I think they, these friendships need to be totally um, given to God, surrendered to him, um, praying for each other and, you know, just, just sharing your journey. You know, I hate that word, the J word. Yeah. But if we're sharing our walk with God together and praying and being, you know, I mean, it doesn't have to be an accountability thing, but um, I think that's really important to have the foundation of Christ there um, and wanting what God wants in it is is really essential too. Yeah, I think poor friendships to an extent try and mimic marriage, don't they? In yeah. that, you know, you are spending a lot of your time looking at the other person. Totally um, true. Whereas good friendships, when you are looking outwards and you're looking at God and you're looking at the mission field that's in front of you, there's no room for exclusivity when yeah. you have a relationship like that. You have to be open to other people coming on board. And that's how God orders his church, isn't it? That we are a body of Christ and everybody kind of plays their own part in it. Uh, so you need to be open to bringing in other people to kind of help the work that you're doing and see the fruit from it. Yeah, because it helps it breathe, doesn't it? It helps it. And also it doesn't stagnate then because you've got many more topics of conversation. You've got more um, channels of um, different views and ideas. I think honesty is important. Um, you know, generally I haven't got a problem with that. In fact, sometimes I am too honest, but I think that, um, in order to, to break a dependency, um, that needs to be an honest discussion with ourselves, with God and with the other person. And I think a healthy friendship is one where the other person doesn't feel that they can't be honest with the, their friend. Mm -hmm. And I think that if, um, if honesty is part of it, not, not in a wanting to pull someone down, but in the um, asking your friend, you know, do you think this is a problem for me or something like that. I think p bringing things into the open is always good. So keeping everything in the dark is always go, it's going to fester. Um, so any problems that you have with the other person, I think it's great if you can just say, because I, I mean, recently I had a problem with a friendship that I really was, well, we, we were both really good friends, but she was very poor at getting in touch with me. And I started to think, oh, well, have I done something wrong? And so instead of making that fester, I told her and I just said, I hope you don't mind, but have I done something wrong? And if not, could you get in touch with me more? Because I really need it. And it wasn't from a needy, selfish point of view. It was from a mutual, I ring you, could you also do it? Um, and she was, oh yeah, I'm really sorry, I'm rubbish at that. And she does it now and it's, there's no problem, but I'm really glad I said it. Mm. So I think that's something that I've learned to mm. keep things to keep an account of your feelings, in other words, and things that need to be said sure. um, in, in the right way anyway. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think, yeah, we'll certainly talk about other things that, that we've learned from those experiences mm. in a second. But I think just to, you, you actually recommended this book yeah, to me, Ruth. Yeah, uh, Friendish from Kelly Needham. Yes. Um, I've not read of all, all of it, but one thing that particularly jumped out, I'm one of these people, I always look at what's in the back of a book before I read through the whole thing. Do you always read the last page of a novel? Well, you see, I'm very wow. bad with fiction. <laughs> Um, yeah, <laughs> very bad some people fiction. need to know what happens at the end before they start it oh I can't do that oh, but anyway absolutely <laughs> but in the back of this book there's a very helpful um, appendix mm. um, healthy versus unhealthy friendships and it, it, I mean there's about four or five pages worth of, of stuff here and it's right. it's a column it's healthy stuff on one side unhealthy stuff on the other yeah. I mean the first one is healthy friendships fuel our desire for God and unhealthy friendships reduce our desire for God yeah. um, pithy I like yeah, a pithy thing a pithy thought um, <laughs> So yeah, I would thoroughly recommend that because it was a really, really, really good book, and it's very up to date. It's got stuff about the internet in, and um, oh, what are those things like Facebook? What are they called? Social media. Absolutely, it's got loads of things about the pros and cons of social media because obviously that's a big thing. It wasn't when I was younger, but now um, it's how we. how we conduct our friendships on social media because that's a minefield isn't it and we can get into loads of problems over that so i'd totally recommend that book i think it's an excellent book mm. um did just to come back to the finishing of this friendship that yeah. i did i'm not saying that you have to finish friendships like that sometimes you can pull yourself away um, address the issues you've got be honest with the other person and it can work out. So I'm absolutely not saying cut it off um, because we're going to talk about some of the things that we've experienced um, at TFT and different approaches. They're not the same, but they work differently, don't they, for different people. Mm. But in my case, I realised, I think God really intervened after quite a few years of this up and downness of it all. Um, And my daughter actually said to me, um, do you love this person? And she meant, actually, had I fallen in love with her? Because one night I was in absolute turmoil and God was totally there saying, "You need this is idolatry, you are sinning, you need to cut it off. And then, because I'd had such a bad night, my daughter noticed and said, what's it about? So I did tell her a bit and she said, it does sound like you're in love with her, Mum. And at that point... <sighs> I really, really had to address it. Um, Not that I hadn't been, but for your daughter to say that to you, (laughs) it was a big thing. Yeah. And I realised actually there was shame involved in this and embarrassment um, and also um, a lack of desire to face up to something that was actually quite destructive in me. Mm. And so I did ask the friend round and I had to say to her what I'd been feeling um we did discuss it she was shocked because she hadn't got any idea I was feeling like this um we both cried and um I must say it didn't end well because I'm not saying I behaved properly but I think I'd also been a real help to this other person. So it wasn't, you know, all from my side. So there was a loss on both sides and a grief that did take a while to get healed. I'm absolutely delighted I did it now. Mm. Um, I think it was the right thing to do. I did it well. 
um, because I really wanted not to be unkind. Um, it was emotional, but I really prayed that I would do it properly. Um, and when I had done it, I had a picture of me drowning in a pool, but being dragged out and lying on the side of this pool, just absolutely breathing deeply and thinking, I've come through this. Um, and it was sort of a, a, vis a, a picture of drowning, but then getting myself out. And I did. And it was really painful. Yeah. But... Um, for me, that was the right thing to do because I knew that that was the only way forward for me. Um, did, was that similar for you or was it a different process or are you still friends or what happened in your case? Yeah, quite, quite different in my case. And I think because mine happened when I was, as I say, I was in my early mm. 20s. I don't know if I'd have had the wisdom at that point yeah. to be able to do what you did and make that decision. Mm. Um, what happened with I mean, it was almost entirely by chance. <laughs> mm. So we, we kind of, I knew this person was, was inevitably going to move to another city for work anyway, right. um, which, which is what they did. And that mm. happened. So there was a, there was a sort of enforced uh, physical geographical separation. Okay. And over time, the feelings just kind of faded. But obviously not spending so much time focusing just on one person meant there was ample opportunity and ample space in my life to be able to cultivate other friendships yeah. and have multiple friendships going on at the same time, which kind of helped bridge that gap. Definitely. Um, and so would you say, would you have advice then? I mean, we're going to go into some of the strategies, which I think are really going to be helpful or helped us anyway. Um, would you have advice about how to after this has happened, I mean, obviously we're talking about if this happens a lot to, you, to people, then there may be some quite deep issues that perhaps therapy or counselling would help with. Yeah. Um, I think that's important because if it's happening a lot, then the, there are things that perhaps we need help with to mm. understand why we're doing it. Um, um, and yeah, and maybe you know, finding healing in talking to somebody about it. Um, but in, in our case, did, you know, could, did you learn, what did you learn out of it that you would say, if somebody was sitting here with exact, in the same place that we were, mm. that perhaps you would be able to say to them, not if I were you, but this helped me. Mm. Yeah, I think broadly there are, there are two responses Okay. To, to an issue like this and what works depends on who you are and who the other person is yeah, which sounds like a horribly like trying to <laughs> trying to talk my way around an answer <laughs> no. but I think you can either so we had uh, Jeanette Howard do a podcast for us recently yeah. I can't remember whether this is the one that you did with her or whether it was one that Stuart did with her but she's the one I did with her yeah for yes yeah so she yeah, has yeah. this um this flag system whereby she will try and gauge what, what her measure of attraction may be to somebody yeah. um, almost at the start of a friendship yeah. and then work out what she needs to do, whether, whether you know, she's fine to kind of move toward this friendship a little bit more or whether she needs to move away from it. Yeah. Um, and I think that's one way. Sometimes we do need to just put in a physical control, um, a physical separation, 
Um, but then on the other hand, sometimes you can have this other approach where you can actually try and work through the issues with, with your friend. And I think that depends on your own ability to, to manage yourself and your own temptation, yeah. um, how much you understand yourself in that. But it also depends on where the other person is. Mm. Um, I, can, I, can, I think of a reasonably close example to this, nowhere near as strong as what I had with, with um, the friend I have been talking mm. about. But um, yeah, there's one friendship of mine where the, the kind of the reason that it works is because we're both at this point in our lives completely focused mm. on Jesus. So it's kind of, we love each other enough that we want the best for yes. each other in Christ. Yes. Um, so we can kind of manage it because that is actually the focus of what the relationship is. Yeah. I think that's really good. Um, there are pros and cons to both of those approaches. Yeah. Um, because if you have the flag system, it prevents you from getting into a situation that you wish you hadn't. Mm. Um, but also... Um, the other side of working something through with someone um, doesn't prevent a friendship from not happening at all. So sometimes if you have the flag system up all the time, mm. I think that's a wisdom call. And, you know, it's, I, I think if that works for you, brilliant. Um, but sometimes it can stop friendships that perhaps could have been worked through. Yeah. So you're absolutely right about um, deciding what works for you. I mean, there's somebody at TFT I know well who said, I'm probably attracted to all my friends or have been at some point. Um, but most of those she's worked through because she realises she wouldn't have any friends otherwise. Mm. And so in her case, um, there is slightly more danger, I would suggest, but also the ability... Um, and the experience to know that usually it will work out. Mm. Um, the, the danger is when the other person is attracted to you and that can be much more difficult. And I would suggest you do need to be putting some accountability in straight away yeah. if you're going to work through that with somebody else. Um, but those are, those are two strategies that we know about that mm. work. Mm. Um, I think get somebody to help you make yeah. the decision as well. Definitely. And also just because you've embarked on one track doesn't mean you can't jump off and switch to the other one. Exactly. Um, the fact that I can do that with that particular friend doesn't mean that I could do that with any other friend that, you and know. That's, <laughs> that's where being self-aware is really important. And if you're not self-aware, get a friend who is. Mm who knows you better than you, mm. you know, or at least you say, just be accountable or on it. That's, I think that's so important not to go about this by yourself if you know that there's a danger. Um, yeah, so we talked about accountability and wisdom and being honest with people about our feelings. Um, and there's good old repentance, you know, that doesn't go amiss. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because I think that if we have a tendency to, you know, walk a line that is difficult and, I mean, some of us like taking risks that are good. Um, but in that, with that comes also the need to be accountable to God every step of the way, to be checking out in prayer what we're doing to be listening to him, to be walking with him, to be reading our Bible, praying with others. So all these um, disciplines that we as Christians need to be putting into place, they're essential if we're going to have good friendships. 
um, because I think the enemy comes in and, you know, the most acute pain that we were talking about, it's easy to bring that in to destroy people and to mess around with their equilibrium, their balance. And as we were learning last week in our staff meeting about order. So there is a, you know, it's, I think it's really important to, to account for your ways all the time and make sure that you're walking with God on it. And I mean, he'll, he'll tell you if you're out of kilter, yeah. You know, I'm absolutely sure of that. Well, like he tells me and it's whether I want to listen or not and what I'm prepared to do. And I think repenting of things straight away is really important. And I think that's probably the biggest thing for me now that's changed. It took a while for me to realise with that friendship that actually it was a problem in my heart that was leading yes. to the problems we were experiencing yes. in the relationship. Yeah. But now I kind of, I'm aware of what my own warning signs are. Yes. Um, you know, talking about that list from the Laurie Rental book <laughs> earlier, like if any of those happen, I generally spot them quite quickly now. Yeah. So that's when it's important to have that repentance in place. I totally agree. Um, it's, yeah, and I think being, being aware is so important. So learn about yourself, learn about the dangers for you, put in your boundaries, um, and yeah, I mean, we, we are saying give friendships a chance as well, you know, don't stifle them, allow them to grow, because if you stifle them too, because you're scared, and if this has happened before, um, you know, this, as we're saying about this Laurie Rensel book, I mean, she does say in there that um, they, this emotional dependency is easy to overcome if you want to address it. She absolutely says that, you know, you can get through it and you can have healthy friendships. And, and a lot of the time, you don't have to experience that dependency again. So all is not lost. You know, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, oh, that's me, this is happening again please hear from us that all is not lost and that you can get through this. And it is addressing the issues, but also walking with God in it and, and praying in people that he wants you to be friends with. Mm. Um, I think that's really important because God gives us friends, doesn't he? And, and I know in my life at certain times, he's definitely given me somebody for that time. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm so glad that I've embraced it and not been afraid. Uh, so that would be my sort of overriding thing that has come out of this, that actually God redeems and restores and heals and wants to bless us with friends that are good for us and we're good for them. Um, and as you say, you know, walking side by side, achieving things for the gospel all really important things to be a healthy person. And we serve a God who completely understands our need for intimacy. You know, God himself is a relational God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. <laughs> yes. And the, the beauty is that, I mean, okay, for a lot of same-sex attracted people, they will choose to remain single and celibate for reasons of their faith. Yeah. But God sets us in a community, yeah. which is the church. And they are people we can be friends with. They are the people well, we're going to be spending an eternity with them. So let's hope that we get along and we can make good friendships. Yeah. And for single and married people, friendships are, are so important. I mean, for the married person, if you are just exclusively with your husband or wife, that isn't healthy. 
um, and inviting friends into your relationship to share your life with is really important. And as you know, as a single person, that is vital to have friends um, that, you know, to have friends that God has provided who you, c- who you can be the body of Christ with. So single or married, it's important to have really good outlets and people to walk with us. Um, yeah, true. Absolutely. Yeah. Ruth, that seems like an appropriate place <laughs> to, to draw things to a close. But yeah, I mean, thank you for your time. Thank you That's for yours. really good. No, and, I've um, enjoyed it. Absolutely. And perhaps, yes, we'll pray and we'll, we'll close off. Yeah. Uh, Father, I thank you that you do understand us and you love us. And you're a God that's all about redeeming relationships. I thank you that Jesus was sent to die upon the cross so that we could uh, be reconciled and come back into relationship with you. Mm. We thank you for the community that is the church, uh, that wonderful body of believers of whom we can relate on, on such a deep level because we are uh, brothers and sisters in Christ. There is, there is a kinship there, Lord. Lord, we pray for the friendships in our own lives. Um, We just pray you would continue to use those as a a source to sanctify us. Um, You know, iron sharpens iron, one friend sharpens another. Mm. And Lord, I do pray that in all the friendships in our lives, um, we would just be drawn to experience more of your goodness and uh, become more and more like you. Amen. My thanks to Simon and Ruth for their willingness to share and for their insights into keeping our friendships healthy. On our website at truefreedomtrust.co.uk, you can find further testimonies, articles and reviews, and you can sign up to receive our Ascend magazine. You've been listening to the Ascend Higher podcast. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.